And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. A brand new Thursday. It's brand new, Gary. It still has that new Thursday smell. Or something. I don't know what the smell is. Gary, good morning. How are you? I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. What else do you want from me? Leave me alone. <laughs> what is it, me? <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but I'm just, I'm just l- laughing. Uh, just before we came out on the air, I just, you know, I checked Twitter, and one of our great listeners <laughs> wrote this. How well would renewable energy last in a 2,000-mile snow and ice storm? <laughs> and then there's Mike Myers. Remember the character in Coffee Talk? Yeah. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Mike Myers and me. Or, uh, no, I love it. it uh, GIF there. That's mm. <laughs> Not a long way. <laughs> no, not very long at all. We suggest you buy some snowshoes. Uh, yeah, uh, and a, uh, uh, and an electric vehicle would have uh, some troubles. Yeah, yeah, I, get, uh, I, I think they come with snowshoes. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the back. Check the trunk, or there's the trunk yeah, up you know, front. I forget. I, I, I can see that I, this, would, this would be perfect for the Democrats. There is an exception that we are now going to create an exception to studded snow tires. Yeah, electric vehicles may have them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, gosh! Oh man, what a, did you see that Los Angeles expecting like the first blizzard uh, advisory or warning in thirty years? Yeah, and this saying, yeah. <clears throat> look, uh, everybody, hang in there, but stay up there. Uh, it's you know, it's up north. I mean, we're gonna mm. we're gonna drop a little bit in temperature, but we've been. Good God, we've been in the upper 70s, low 80s. No, high 80s. Uh, we, the other got day, to, we, we got to 84. Yeah. We got to 84 on, what was that, Tuesday? Really? Yeah. I got to, in in my town, it got to 87. Yeah, yeah. So well, I, the official okay. temperature might have been All right, 84, so, but yeah. Uh, check that, because that was at uh, just before 2 p.m. It was 84. So it may have gotten, well, officially DFW, it may have gotten yeah, to 80. DFW 87. Airport may have been different than where yeah. I live. Yeah. No, no, I mean right. in, in my neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. I was at 84 at just before 2 p.m. on Tuesday. Yeah. So, yeah. so it, it could have gotten 
by 4 p.m. it could have gotten. So by Friday, we may be in like the 40s and 50s. So we're taking it. It's a drop, but it's not. And we actually got hit by that part of the storm, just the tail end of it, Mm -hmm. with with a little bit of rain Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday morning. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's it's uh, it's bad. I mean, it's yeah. it's really bad across uh, the uh, the north. So everybody, uh, you know, hang in there. I you know the thing is too, mm. growing up in the north. By the time you get to you know end of February, I mean you really hate when this happens because you've just been bombarded for so long. It's like, oh, man. And then when you get one in March. Now, early March is one thing. Middle of March, you're like, stop it. End of March. And then when occasionally you get an April storm, it's like, stop it. Yeah. We've just had enough. Yep. Um, I don't even see in our forecast where we're going to even get close to freezing again. Yeah, I know. Yay. Yeah, I got a lot of work to do. I don't have time for cold weather anymore. Yeah, I cut my front lawn the other day, and it's like, all right, this weekend is actually going to be. I, well, let's put it this way. I cut my front weeds with the lawnmower. Yeah. There, there is no lawn yet. It's no. still all dormant, but uh, the weeds, and, and now I'm going to put on, put on the uh, uh, pre-emergent this weekend. Well, it all depends on what the rain looks like. Yeah. But yeah, that'll all happen all the stuff you have to do now it's like oh wow i do like the vacation of not having to do any yard work really between no you know end of november and now yeah i like that but uh a lot of stuff to talk about yeah what a day what a day um you know interesting because there was this clip that was going around about the you know everybody wondering if the president had fallen down the stairs on Air Force One. Turned out it was a staffer. She's okay. Uh, apparently her backpack kind of broke her fall and took the brunt of the fall. And then, so everybody's, you know, sending that video around going, was that the president that fell down? And then it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't even 24 hours later. The president's going up the stairs of Air Force One, and he slips again. Now, this time he caught himself when he got back up. He didn't slip a second time, it appeared. I'm going to say it again to his staffers. Put those rubber things on the bottom of his shoes. You can get them anywhere. He wears the dress shoes. Make sure he has those on his shoes at all times. It's not hard. Because you can tell what he's doing. He wants to be, you know, he wants to look spry, right? He's jogging up the stairs, which he probably shouldn't do. But he likes to hurry up the stairs to prove he can still do that. And his inevitably his dress shoes are not equipped for that, and he's falling. So far, he's fallen twice. It could end up badly. Somebody fix that. I think the you know some of the stories. I mean, because that was one of the, the the stories because those pictures go viral mm-hmm. when it when it uh, those the, especially the snapshots of you know there he is you know, sort of bent over yeah. Uh, but what what I thought was interesting some of the stories yesterday. I mean Trump Trump going to the um, uh, to uh, East Palestine 
Yeah. I mean, that was just, I mean, that was politically, I'm talking politically, that was so damaging. You know, I saw the, what read the Wall, I don't know if you read the Wall Street Journal editorial saying everybody's playing politics and even Trump's playing, playing politics with it. Yeah, but it's effective politics. When you have some audio cuts from CNN right. and you have everybody, well, not everybody, but you have so many people on CNN blasting this, this administration as looking so inept on this thing. Well, and so it. Trump took advantage of it. There's nothing Trump can do. He's not president, but he can, you know, it was, you, you talk about effective campaigning. That was very effective campaigning, you know, and bought everybody McDonald's and had bottled water for them and everything else. And, you know, and, and, uh, uh, uh criticized for saying, you know, the, uh, the water isn't safe while you had the governor and everybody, city officials actually drinking the tap water to show that it, it is safe because yeah. they're drinking it. Mm-hmm. But take that out of it. It was that was effective. That was an effective moment. How long it will last? I don't know. But I mean, we go day by day and say, okay, that's an effective moment there. That's a non-effective moment there. And some of the stuff that Trump's been doing and the attacks on DeSantis, I believe, haven't been effective at all. In fact, have the opposite effect. Mm -hmm. But that was effective politics yesterday. I I thought so. And the imagery was exactly what the imagery should have been for a sitting president. Biden should have been there long Mm -hmm. before. And now, you know, well, a Buttigieg is going to go. But yeah, well, now we're, you know, we're, we're, uh, what, uh, 20 days, more than 20 days into it. Yeah. Well, and, and you're going after the former president. And that's the headline. That's the headline where you can't, I guess that's the, that would be my point looking at the headline. Trump visits a train derailment site before Buttigieg, before anybody, you know, from the administration. Yeah. And before Buttigieg or whatever. And And the other version of that is Buttigieg. Uh, set to go to the derailment site one day after Trump. Trump, exactly. And, and it's important because we talked about the balloon thing. Everything was spent from the shooting down of the first balloon to the shooting down of the amateur balloons. All of it was spent. And Pete Buttigieg deciding finally to go and visit is spin. Think about that. He's reacting to Trump. He didn't say the other day when he was doing the interview, I'm going to go Thursday. He said, we're going to, we're planning on going. As soon as it was announced that, that Trump was going Wednesday, oh, we're going Thursday. It was spin. He's not going there because of the citizens uh, around that mess that are suffering. He's going there because he's reacting to Trump. And that makes it even worse. You should have had the current president, the sitting president, standing at a podium like Trump was yesterday, long ago. He should have been standing up there, and Pete Buttigieg should have been there at the same time. The president speaks. He says, we've surveyed the damage. Locals are working to make sure that everything is safe, that we make sure the environment is going to be protected, that the water is going to be protected and that, most importantly, the people of this area are going to be protected, not just now, but for years to come, that there was there will, there will be no residual effect of this. We will work to no end to make sure that is true. Transportation Secretary is going to say a few words. Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, uh, we want to tell the people here 
that rest assured, when the NTSB is done with their inspection, their investigation, we will learn all we can from this. And we will take measures and, again, fight to no end to make sure that this does not happen again. We will find out why this happened, but our department will be on it to make sure that if regulation is needed to prevent this from happening in the future, we will do so. Now I want to bring up right, uh, but, the governor, but, but, and then you but go he, through But the... he did. He did in his own way do that because everything that he's talked about is, as the Wall Street Journal pointed out, exactly what we said. Everything he pointed out about what they're going to do to ensure that it's not going to happen again has got nothing to do because they don't know what caused it to begin with. And the things like we brought up the other day. That's why you qualify it with the NTSB investigation, exactly. With with the brakes and everything else, everything that he has thrown out is simply the the, uh, liberal things that they want to do to labor in general. It's all agenda stuff. It's, It's all agenda stuff. It has nothing to do with... What, you know why the accident actually happened exactly so that's, that's that's why you have to include the qualifier with the NTSB right. investigation if the invest investigation uh requires the or shows that it is warranted that we bring in new regulation to prevent this from happening then we will do so and you qualify it as such and you do it on well, site not from a studio yeah I, I think I think the the problem was the the EPA should have been out there day one and 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 on, on a level like this should have taken over immediately and they just took over what a day ago right and and that that's really the the, the problem is the tre- secretary this is you don't have to have answers you just have to respond and be there you have to be there and 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 and, and listen to what the 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 people and the locals are 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 saying and if you see if somebody says look at this creek here You've got a group of people out there looking at the creek and testing that creek immediately as to what the solution is. That's always down the road. It's the immediate response that people want to take care of it for their immediate safety. And that's where they failed miserably. Well, and, 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 and that's that's part of it, because everybody should have been there. And it should have been from day one. And you have the entire lineup from the president and everybody in the administration that matters transportation secretary epa administrator you have them on site and you have full control and as you mentioned the epa side by side with the ntsb yes the epa for the uh all of the environmental stuff and making sure that everybody is safe and the ntsb looking into the the accident itself yes. these are things that are very basic out of a playbook how does it, it it's like Watching, it's like saying, well, we know the hurricane hit. We've been watching it on the Weather Channel. We plan to visit soon. Yeah. yeah. It's it's ridiculous. This is, this is very, well, very um, a, a response 101. How do you not care about the people? Oh, I know when you don't actually care about the people. Well, it's like right now with the storm, you know, and now, you know, the federal government isn't involved in it, but you have, you know, and when you have major storms like this, when they had the two major storms in, in, uh, in, in Buffalo, you know, there, you know, uh, Hochul was there, mm-hmm. you know, she was there, she was actually there and they were having press conferences all the time. Here's what's going on, constantly giving out information mm-hmm. you have to do now they were they were criticized in some ways but the fact is i'm saying that when you have something like this that happens 
That's where especially the EPA has to be there. The NTSB is going to be there. And once the NTSB is there, then the EPA is in because it becomes basically a federal jurisdiction. So Mm -hmm. you get in there and you cooperate with everyone. But that's why it was total uh, manure when Buttigieg says, well, I didn't go there because I didn't want to interfere with the NTSB investigation. That's hogwash. You can go you you can go there and you can overall look at what's going on and monitor with the you know with the the uh the the EPA mm-hmm. and you get the head of the EPA out there too you're walking with the head of the EPA yes. and you're there with the head of the NTSB you're all there together you don't get in each other's way you're cooperating that's why that excuse was just so bad and everybody knows it yep and it and they honestly don't care about the sentiment of the people and the the actual ordeal what they're having mm-hmm to navigate every single day in the areas around this train derailment, they don't care. They really don't care. 86690-RED-EYE. Tires command a lot of attention. As a top expense for drivers and a leading cause of CSA violations, any tire maintenance practice that can help extend tire life is worth consideration. Consider tire balancing, which can set you up for savings and a smoother ride before your tires touch the highway. Tire balancing corrects an uneven distribution of weight in tires and wheel assemblies and offers benefits like improved fuel economy, increased tire life, and reduced vibration. Unusual shaking in the seat, cab, or steering wheel is a warning sign your tires might need to be balanced. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. If you like listening to Red Eye On Demand, we have more of Eric Harley and guests for you. Download RER's Extra Mile podcast. More topics and issues discussed. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Let's uh, see how CNN is covering the uh, train derailment in uh, East Palestine, uh, Ohio. Here we mm. go. Here's, this is Jake Tapper. Tonight, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, is on the ground in Ohio. Its stated mission to make sure Norfolk Southern does everything to fix the toxic mess caused by one of its trains flying off the tracks. The move follows three weeks of angry pleas from residents of East Palestine that the company, the agency, and the president of the United States are simply not doing enough. Whoa. Well, we're not done yet. Hmm. Let us go to, this is CNN's uh, uh, MJ Lee uh, in a discussion about it on CNN yesterday. Is there, is there some sense at the White House that even if they were watching it, they should have been talking about it more? Look, I- I think it's clear that time is definitely of the essence. As Miguel and others on the ground have reported, uh, there is real lack of trust at the federal government's response. Uh, did they respond fast enough? Uh, there's a clear desire within that community to see big names come and actually see with their own eyes. And I think you're absolutely right that as soon as the president uh, touches back down on U.S. soil, there are going to be real questions about what he personally is willing to do and show he is doing to really address this problem. Hmm. I remember, how long did it take Buttigieg to even mention it? Two weeks? Yeah. 
I mean, that, that's it. I mean, there was no concern at all. No, no, none on it. None. And when you see something like this, and you know the NTSB gets out there immediately, someone in the federal government should say, uh, "Get the EPA out there." Yeah, and you need to respond. Right. Okay, somebody starts complaining. What's this in the creek? You somebody you send somebody out there. You cooperate with the state EPA, right? You, right. But you go out there. You send people out there, and what they need, you make sure they have. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Call in and get a word in edgewise. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. You notice that uh, all of the audio that uh, we're playing here is, you know, not from conservative media, mm-hmm. but from liberal media, in- including this audio from MSNBC. All right. This is MSNBC interviewing uh, Pete Buttigieg. All right. All right. And this is a day and a half ago, but this is still the problem that the administration has here. And we said it from the very beginning of the, the well, we said it earlier on, but when, when uh, Buttigieg actually spoke, and remember he did the whole thing about construction workers? Yeah. And he didn't mention it, and he was talking about that. And by the way, we'll get to that story because somebody actually did the the demographics and who the construction workers are <laughs> in this country. Oh, and he got burned big time. Mm. I can't believe that we missed it. I can't. Yeah, I know. Uh, not we. I'll say I. I can't believe that I missed it. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, I never even thought about the the demographics of who a construction you know worker is. He was implying that it's all whites on construction sites. Are you implying that it's believable that I missed it? <laughs> no, I just don't want to blame you for you know. You can blame yourself. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel the need to blame you. I feel that's going a little bit too far. I'll take responsibility 
for my very, very, very uh-huh. rare, far, well, a few in between, whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, uh, my very, very rare mistakes. Uh-huh. It's like, easier just to say yes. Like, like, the, like the time I thought I was wrong and found out later on I wasn't. Uh-huh. Horrible mistake. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, here's... Here's here's from MSNBC. Here we go. I'm here in Kiev, Ukraine, and one of the things uh, the mayor of East Palestine said uh, that he called on President Biden to visit uh, East Palestine before he went to Ukraine. He said that was the biggest slap in the face that tells you right now he doesn't care about us, talking about President Biden. So he can send every agency he wants to, but I found out this morning that uh, and, and one of the briefings that he was in the Ukraine giving millions of dollars away to people over there, not to us, and I'm furious. Uh, look to Americans who have a train derailment, particularly with hazardous chemicals in their in their community. You can see why this feels like the biggest priority for them, and perhaps two generations to follow. If there's hazardous chemicals out there, what do you say to people who who see the president's visit to Ukraine but don't see you or the president in East Palestine? Well, the biggest thing I want uh, residents of East Palestine to know is that they're not alone. Uh, our department's personnel were on the ground from within the first hours of the incident. They've got multiple federal agencies on the ground partnering with the state, partnering with local first responders. And this has the attention of the entire administration. No, it didn't. Mm-mm. You never never mentioned it for a week. I don't, has Biden yet mentioned it? I don't think Biden has mentioned it. I don't recall him addressing well, it. But the incredible thing is that's on MSNBC, and that's a that's yeah. a reporter yeah. in Ukraine. Yeah, right. <laughs> asking asking him about something yeah. back home. No, here's the thing. This is a liberal administration, a big corporation rail company, dumped hazardous materials. In a populated area. This is a liberal administration. And literally the environment has been tainted by chemicals at the hands of a major corporation. And they did nothing. Yeah, I see how you exactly the. uh, uh, and I don't know, but you just whether it's truthful or not, you need to add in multinational. There you go. Yeah, even, multi, even if they're go. even if they're not, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. That, that global. <laughs> yeah, we'll just say global company. Well, Bill, no, but you can say billions of dollars in profit. Now, look, we don't think that way. We don't know who's at fault. What we're saying right. is that is the, and I mean, it is almost like you would, if you're a liberal, you would wake up in your sleep. Barely know about the situation and go into that mode. How did they not do that at this White House? And and then and remember, this is MSNBC, and that's why we said from the very beginning the focus of the liberal media because they were ignoring it too. They were focusing on the genius and the uh, the uh, uh, Biden being like Lincoln and and Washington and 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 Adams and I mean just going yeah. I mean, going through right. all the all the all, almost all the, the the founding fathers and the great presidents uh, uh, out there because of his trip to Ukraine and you and I said it we said this isn't going to sell with the American public it's just no. not going to but when you, uh, you've got the reporter so he goes uh, 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 it's time for Buttigieg to answer so the split screen the reporter disappears and on it you see the the smoke coming up in the air 
from the initial explosion. And it looks like, you know, it looks like one of the, uh, what do they, what do they call the, remember the bomb they dropped in uh, Afghanistan or was it a, uh, Afghanistan? Remember that yeah, huge, the, the uh, mother of all bombs, the, the mother the of all bombs. That's yeah, what it looks yeah, like. I mean, it yeah. looks, it looks terrifying, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and the thing is you see these, you know, old houses, you know, houses that are probably, probably built, uh, a hundred years ago mm-hmm. and you, you see them all lined up and right in the background of all these homes where you know these are not rich people living. I mean, right. this is the imagery right. that I'm, that, right. that you get. And there's this explosion and the federal government really, you know, like I said, that there was nothing from the secretary of, of, of transportation. There was no type of urgency. You and I remember when Hurricane Ian hit and we followed it very closely because we said, because you, at, before that, you really weren't you weren't following uh, the everyday uh, the everyday uh, happenings of of DeSantis, right? You know, until it was okay last year, okay last summer. All right, he's probably going to run, probably going to run. And when that happened, I specifically I always watched the Weather Channel anyway with hurricanes, but I specifically mm-hmm. paid attention to when they did their press conferences. Yeah, and yeah. you looked at it. And he was in charge, and he had everybody yep. any you know any questions? What's going on? Uh, we heard this happening over here. All right, we're going to send this over. You do it. Make sure you get over there. And the res- you respond in an emergency. Now you can't you can't save everyone, right? And you can't stop what's happening, right? But you you build trust in the public by responding aggressively to the particular situation. But responding isn't enough. You have to tell the people what you're doing, and yes. the people in charge have to be communicating with that community and the nation at large that's watching this. Right now, that's the that's doing the job, and it's also good politics. Yeah, you can have right. good politics and do the job at the same time. Yes, but it, right. it's just—I mean, it's well—and that's the thing—is that horrible. being a, being a true public servant. When you're actually doing the work, makes for great politics. The work itself. And and sometimes, look, I don't expect that uh, Mayor Pete's going to show up and, and grab, you know, a shovel or a hazmat suit or something. But I expect them to be present. I expect them to to actually care about the people that are affected by this. I expect them to do the work. And these are the things that you look for. It seems like he's doing his job all for show. He's doing everything they're doing here. They're responding. Think about this. Everything this administration does is a response to the criticism. It is, is it, spin. It, well, as uh, you called it last week, you said it's a it's a political reaction. You know, when yeah. you shoot down... Well, when you shot down even the first balloon, the first balloon that was, was a political that, that was a reaction. Right, that was that was a political reaction from the criticism. Then shooting down three objects that they still can't identify that might have been a hobby a balloon hobby group. Yeah. Their their balloon mm-hmm. that they put up for fun mm-hmm. and to find out where a balloon would go. Right. And the Air Force is shooting them down. Mm-hmm. That was a political reaction. To the criticism, everything that's happening now from Buttigieg, and the thing that I was, well, 
I finally, I, I finally decided to speak out on something that I was so concerned about mm-hmm. that I've really been concerned about this. I've just ignored the topic as Secretary of Transportation uh, for uh, for eighteen days or whatever it was. You two should weeks, have been whatever. at a podium, even if you right. weren't on site at a podium. Right. That you step up to a podium the moment you learn about this and say, "We're just learning details, and we're going to have more information on the way." Uh, rest assured that the federal government is going to be there in every capacity. Uh, we're and and I'll turn it over to the EPA administrator uh, to talk more about that. The NTSB is on site. You cover all of the response items and that come with do, oh. issuing a response. And you have we have the Zoom with the state EPA person, right? With the state of Ohio EPA person, right? We also have the governor of Ohio, right? Here, you know, that's what that's what you. I mean, this is simple stuff. It's not complicated. They can't do it. They when don't have the ability. When you're genuinely concerned about the situation on the ground, no one's going to stop you from being there. There's the difference. Oh, exactly. There's the difference. Right. If I were in that position, it wouldn't matter. You couldn't right. keep me from being there. And, and even, look, the president doesn't have to speak on day one, but when you hear it, the secretary of transportation, the head of the EPA, should be there, and that's when you bring in. You bring in, you know, you talk about it. You have the EPA uh, there. You have the state EPA person from Ohio. You have the governor, and you have the mayor, yeah, of East uh, Palestine. You have them, and that's who you have. And anybody else that they that that is in the know, or and maybe somebody from the NTSB, even though probably they wouldn't have commented at that point. Uh, you know, early on. But that's what you do, because the whole point is to communicate effectively with the people of uh, East Palestine, the state of Ohio in in general, because, again, there's the concern. Did this get into the water? But in general, the plume that went up, how dangerous is that to other states? Right. And so it becomes a national issue. And so you make it you bring on the national. Buttigieg should have held a press conference at the minimum. The morning after, yeah, and had right. all those people there ready to go, right? And we've, and then you question, what do you need? You know what, what you know, uh, and uh, you know the there have been reports on this. We have the EPA out there. We have the uh, the EPA cooperating with the state EPA, and they're out there where people where there have been reports that there may be chemicals in the creek, and we're making sure that those chemicals aren't there. So we're advising people not to drink, you know, not to drink uh, the tap water or whatever until we get the all clear. But you communicate effectively. But when you don't communicate at all. No, I mean, and then you're only responding to questions. At that point. It wasn't proactive. Yes. You're just reacting. Acting. You're yeah. not acting. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Progressive Commercial Insurance protects truck owners with specialized coverages for heavy trucks. Get a quote in as little as five minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. In Red Eye Radio, he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE, quickly to fill in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Fre- I can't. I'm slurring my words here. I swear I'm sober. Uh, Phil, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hi. Hey, look, uh, when President Trump landed in East Palestine, 
the Americans who lived there, they didn't they didn't greet him as a presidential candidate. They they greeted him as finally somebody from the outside world, an American who cared about Americans showed up that would actually get their plight out to the American people. And the way they talked to him was like people that were finally realizing their isolation was over. It was an amazingly heartbreaking way to hear American citizens talk to someone because they felt so isolated and alone and lied about, about the conditions that they're living under. And I just want to thank President Trump for going there. But those people need help. Somebody's got to go down there and help them. Uh, you make a great point, Phil. Uh, that was really uh, seemed to be the reaction because if you look at the uh, the, the 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 town hall meeting that was uh, that there's a lot of footage out uh, from the other day where they were asking, "Where's Mayor Pete? Where is you know? Where's the administration? Um, you know? Uh, where's Norfolk Southern? Where uh, you know? Where are all the people that matter that can do something about this?" and then Trump shows up in a big way, and I think you also make a point that he's shedding more light to the situation by being there. They know that the media is going to give them more coverage on their situation, and I, I think that's a great point. Uh, thank you, Phil. We appreciate it. Help is it. on the way. Thank you. It's just, you know, these are the things that um, you, you just, it boggles my mind. Think about this. You've got a chemical spill in a populated area at the hands of a major global multi-billion dollar corporation, something right out of the, out of the liberal playbook, liberal yeah. playbook that right. would be a reaction. Yes. It, that would be absolutely immediate. They would be screaming on it. And a liberal administration so far hasn't even shown up. Aside from the NTSB, you ha- you don't have the major players on site. They won't even do anything well, except EPAs follow. Are, the EPAs are now. Well, well, but I'm saying they, the major players, the decision makers, the administrators should be there. The uh, transportation secretary and the president. All the major players are MIA. Why is that? This is a liberal playbook 101. Yeah. It should have been done. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and uh, good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and you can listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. So it it really blew up. When you, when you think about when this thing really blew up, it's, it's when, uh, uh, you know, Buttigieg... Uh, was uh, speaking before the uh, conference of county officials last week. And uh, he didn't mention the derailment at all, but then got into talking about uh, and, you know, basically telling the county officials, you know, that uh, construction workers 
need to look like the communities where they work. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that just went, I mean, that just, and not mention it, and it just, it just blew up like you can't believe. And Rich Lowry, <laughs> National Review, wrote a great column. What does Pete Buttigieg have against Hispanic construction workers? <laughs> and and a couple of first sentences where he says, uh, we have heard way too many stories from generations past of infrastructure where you got a neighborhood off in a neighborhood of color that finally sees the project come to them, but everyone in the hard hats on that project doing uh, the good-paying jobs don't look like they came from anywhere near the neighborhood. Needless to say, this is not a concern shared by most people who don't apply the Buttigieg not-around-here standard to workers building bridges and other infrastructure in their areas. It's not often, if ever, that you hear someone say, quote, it's a major inconvenience that this highway project has been delayed again, but at least the guys blocking off the lane of traffic at rush hour look like they came from somewhere near the neighborhood, end of quote. Regardless, Pete's bean counting is out of date. This may come as a surprise to anyone living in or near a major urban area, but whites are 50% of construction workers, according to the Center of uh, Immigration Studies. They are still underrepresented compared to their share of the total workforce, 56%. It's Hispanics who are overrepresented in construction. Hispanics are 37% of the construction workers and 18% of the overall labor force. The disparity is starker when it comes to immigrants. Foreign-born Hispanics are about a quarter of the construction workers or three times their share of the total labor force at 8%. Using data from 2016, the Center for Immigration Studies estimates 15% of construction workers are illegal immigrants. A study last year by a different organization, the Center for Migration Studies, came up with numbers that match uh, the other organization. It found that between 2015 and 2019, 54% of foreign-born construction workers in the United States were illegal immigrants. In New York City, the figures are especially stark. Between 2015 and 2019, the Center for Migration Studies reports that immigrants comprised just 37% of the total New York City population, but 44% of the city's labor force and 63% of all of its construction workers. Its estimates, uh, the estimates uh, is that 41% of immigrant construction workers were illegal. That sounds high, but it's actually uh, lower than the number for the United States as a whole. Meanwhile, non-Hispanic black workers are underrepresented underrepresented in construction. They noted that native-born blacks were just 5% of construction workers, half their representation in the workforce as a whole. All this means that if Buttigieg wanted to be frank and tell the truth about current realities and make his same point, he'd have to say something like, look, folks, 
we've got the sort of uh, we we've got the sort of the wrong sort of brown people working construction. Uh, let's all look for opportunities to balance it out. If all possible, please find ways to discourage Hispanics from working on your projects and illegal immigrants. Well, I mean, He'd if he's going to do it by the numbers that they should look the number, like right. the neighborhoods, the communities they're in. That that would be too dumb and offensive for even the most DEI intoxicated person to consider saying. Another point that is actually true but would never occur to Buttigieg is that illegal immigrants, through their willingness to accept lower wages and worse working conditions, are crowding out other immigrants and natives from construction jobs, at least at the margins, and that the social networks of illegal immigrant workers make their overrepresentation in construction self-reinforcing. If Buttigieg really wanted to try to open up more opportunities for black workers in construction, he'd urge the Biden administration to crack down on illegal immigration, not just at the border, but in the interior as well. Hmm. You know, and and so what he'd have to say is Buttigieg have to say, look, the problem is we need to encourage uh, Hispanics not uh, to uh, work on construction sites. Mm-hmm. Imagine doing that. <laughs> we have to encourage them not to. And we need to crack down on illegal immigration because illegal immigration and the number of illegal immigrants in construction is just unacceptable and they should be taken by native blacks. Mm. Well, right? If, if, if you... If you want to get proportionally, if that's what you're saying, mm-hmm. that's what you'd have to. That's what you'd have to do. Go ahead, Buddha Judge, do that. Now we did learn years ago in Nevada, according to the late Harry Reid, that there were no illegal immigrants working on construction sites in that state. <laughs> Look, uh, I'm glad somebody's willing to do the work. I'm glad somebody's willing to do that job. The labor-intensive jobs that nobody wants to do anymore, I'm glad that they're getting done. In fact, I'm almost shocked that they're getting done with more and more quiet quitters in our society. Here's a guy that, uh, you know, takes a couple of months off his first few months on the job. Yeah. And he's complaining about the ethnic backgrounds of people who are doing backbreaking work. Give me a break. Yeah, but he was implying. You know, the implication was that it's whites. Mm-hmm. Because he would never touch it otherwise. And his implication is wrong. Mm-hmm. Whites are underrepresented in construction jobs. Well, they're overrepresented in this administration. Uh, there are too many white well, people in yeah, the. That's, who said that again? In the, uh, in his department, leading his department. Who, There's one too many. Who said that? I forgot who said. I that forget that. who it was. Oh yeah. no, was it was it Andrew McCarthy? Yeah, it was Andrew McCarthy. Yeah. Yes, there. Are, yeah. <laughs> there are too many white men leading the Department of Transportation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, I, I love it when all these, you know, white guys. You know, pretend they're going to be the hero. How about you be grateful that an industry is still 
moving along and 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 progressing in a way that again still surprises me that people are willing to do that job. Women are way underrepresented in the construction industry. That's right, ladies. Get out there and apply for these construction jobs. We need more roofers. I mean, you do have some. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was watching the uh, the building of the World Trade Center, mm-hmm. and you know they showed some of the the high rise, mm-hmm. uh, you know, construction people, right? Which is sort of which can be a which is a little bit different than you know building homes, for example. Yeah, right. Whole different ball game of what you need to be able to do, and those train jobs, the crane operators, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I just I had to bring it up because when I said it, I just burst. I almost spit out my coffee when I saw the uh, headline. What does Pete Buttigieg have against Hispanic construction workers? <laughs> like, well, I mean, my gosh. Um, they did. They they actually crunched the numbers. That's by the way. This is all you have to do. Just crunch the numbers. But that's you know he was implying something that wasn't true. It was another lie. Mm-hmm. Too many white people around here. Right. It was a says the white guy. <laughs> you know, uh, it's and and it's you know trying to be the hero over and over again. Everything is for show with him, everything, and that's how it is on the left. Everything is a reaction now in this administration. Everything is, uh, you know, think about that. It, it took him how long to even discuss East Palestine? How how long did he they even go without uh, addressing this? It was over, and two, the problem is it, it was too over, many white yeah. guys in construction. Yeah, it was over two weeks, and and that's that's where this all really started. That's where all of a sudden it was like the focus was on my God, the federal government, Secretary of Transportation. He hasn't even brought it up, and he's talking about too many white people on construction. You know, cons- too many white construction workers and that that is really what set this whole thing off that he hasn't mentioned it and then it's just been you know it, when what you have here overall and the president going to ukraine and the left believing okay this has basically saved his presidency because of that and then when you saw the east palestine mayor come out and just say millions over there and they don't care about us not a mention not anything well you can look at that look the yeah, the, the, the people the, the people on the border, the southern border, mm-hmm. have been screaming about that. Yeah. And that they don't care. They caused the problem. They right. caused it. I mean, everything that this the ever when when you look at everything that they're doing, and we've talked about this before, the Democrats' goal is to make your life harder. Yeah. Right. Energy prices skyrocket them, uh destabilize the grid by not having enough consistent energy available. The border, let it go. Fentanyl, let it go. Mm-hmm. By the way, I got a couple of stories about San Francisco thinking that uh, uh, they may suspend some of the rules for sanctuary city, being a sanctuary city. There's a county, I believe it was in Pennsylvania, that also stopped being a sanctuary city because of fentanyl. Well, I mean, you know, you're if you're going to do that, then you're going to allow, if you're going to, remain sanctuary, uh, if you're going to keep sanctuary policy in place, you're going to allow the the cartels to do their work. That's what you're allowing. And don't complain 
when buses and planes start uh, showing up with people that want to be there. And, you know, these are these are the items that uh, somebody um, wrote about, by the way, the uh, you mentioned the, the president's trip to Ukraine and how this could backfire, because we were like, OK, why did they feel that it was OK for him? Why did they feel safe in putting him there in Kiev? Right. And, you know, do they know something? Does the CIA know something about Putin or, you know, just asking questions? Somebody wrote the article. I have to find it yesterday morning. I, I read it after the show. And it was, here is the risk. Imagine that, you know, essentially, okay, so the president shows up, you know, it's, you know, the one-year anniversary. And it's time to, you know, withdraw out of, uh, you know, out of Ukraine and the whole thing against Putin. But if this thing goes on and I ask you a question off the air, Look, wouldn't this be the time to escalate it in in whatever way to it, the show of power, not just withdrawing from the uh, the arms treaty, but also, you know, after, you know, everybody has cleared that zone, then he just, you know, launches another attack. Putin launches another attack on Ukraine. But if he's in it for the long haul and most people believe that he is. Then the president looks weak even further. This because think about this, we're at February of 23. This was designed to be a reset for this president heading into the political season. But if Putin is going to be uh, uh, more intent on taking Ukraine and more aggressive in the coming months. This makes Biden look even worse well, even weaker well, you than think, he is you think about it when they get when they're back and Corrine Jean-Pierre uh has the press conference the questions will be on East Palestine and the questions will be on Putin pulling out of the uh, uh nuclear uh one of the nuclear the last nuclear deal mm-hmm. which now is the Biden administration going to come on and say well we were following it but they weren't anyway so it's no big deal because they look weak in doing that so mm-hmm. they can't do that mm-hmm. how are they going to spin that to begin with, but that's the only questions are going to be. And, and the president was asked to yesterday a reporter uh, when he was in uh, Poland and standing with other officials and just standing there and someone screamed out, what, what do you have to say about Putin pulling out of the nuclear deal? And he looked, and he goes, I don't have time. Yeah. Right. That's what he said. I don't have time. You know, and, and, and it, it was horrible in moments like that. When you don't have your response ready, you don't say a thing. You act like you they didn't hear. say it. Right. You don't say a word, and he can't keep from doing that. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the -the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.
It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. The the problem is, and, and we recognize it immediately, is the American public, the economy is horrible to the American public. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because of inflation. Yeah, right. It's, it's hitting Americans, and it's hitting Americans hard. Uh, we know what's going on. Now the... Um, you know, uh, the uh, illegal immigration that we have that people know was created by the Biden administration. Now, news stories, because almost every community has received migrants. Yeah. And so the local news is talking about it. And you're like, why is this happening? The crime that is happening, the increase in crime uh, in the uh, in 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 the inner city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see the thing of Seattle where they had a payoff was at three million dollars to the businesses that were destroyed by Chad or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Chad? What was the other one? Chad and Chip or I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and uh, you know, and we we see what defund the police has has done to uh, to crime and bail reform mm-hmm. and the statistics that are out there. Americans are hurting. Americans in the city are hurting, and the the train derailment is a microcosm of everything else that is happening. And sometimes it's just, what is the story that puts everything over the top? And that's what you and I have sensed over the last week, that this thing, because of the non-response, this was the thing that really galvanized a significant amount of the public to say, these people are incompetent. This administration is incompetent. Yeah, that's right. and 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 that's the fear. And even with Biden going to Ukraine, uh, one of the things that you and I've talked about and others have have talked about is, you know, and and I was telling you during the uh, break here, I said, is is this his mission accomplished moment? Because this war is not over. Right. And, and I was referring to a piece uh, that I read, and it was uh, Jim Carafano from the Heritage Foundation that wrote something, but he included an update, which was a link to a Wall Street Journal editorial board piece. And and they're kind of making that that uh, uh, point, in fact, in their piece, you know, that that the administration really isn't, Biden isn't going to be tough against Putin. He's not out to defeat Putin. And this war could be going on for a long, long time. And then you asked the question during the break, is this his mission accomplished moment? You know, you have to ask these it, questions. It may not be viewed as that right now, but will it Long in six term. months? Right, exactly. Yeah. And Eric Harley taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. But the the one thing that's really amazing about the Democratic Party right now, and and, and the media, too, that that backs the the Democrats, is the fact of, you know, they're anointing the president as one of the greatest presidents of all time because – of his, uh, you know, visit to uh, 
uh, Ukraine and the American people are looking at it saying, excuse me, you're showing more concern for them than you are for us. And we've laid out everything mm-hmm. we've laid out in we've laid out inflation. Uh, and and not only not only have we laid out, for example, inflation. Uh, let me see if I, I, I OK, I don't have it. I, I want to get to the the audio from um, uh, that uh, from uh, uh, the vice president uh, yesterday. Not only is inflation hurting the American public, but the administration continues to lie about the impact of inflation. And people wonder why. Hmm. Why are you lying about this? Let's, this, is, uh, this is Harris from yesterday, okay? Here okay. we go. All right. Every day, Joe Biden and I talk about and work together with our partners, like former leader Hoyer, current leader Hoyer, um, to lower the cost for the people of our nation, because you are a leader, for working families. We have reduced heating and electricity bills. So folks have more money in their pocket to buy things like school supplies, replace the dishwasher, or take a family vacation. She's lying. The Biden administration has reduced heating and electricity bills so folks have more money in their pocket. I... I I mean, I, I, I guess you just make it up as you go along. Well, just live in the complete delusional state. And and so um, the American public recognizes that when you look at that, just inflation itself, it's like they're lying. They don't care about me. And the media is screaming, well, don't you understand how important Ukraine is and 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 stopping Russia? Hmm. Yeah, we sort of do. But we also understand the fact that um, the policies of the spending that has been out of control was caused by the people we put in power. We're suffering each and every day. We don't know how we're going to last the next year and a half or two years with inflation that is expected even, what, a year and a half, two years from now to be double yeah, or triple what it was when Biden took office. When you look at the border, when you look at the prices of everything, when you look at energy and their insane uh, energy policy, when you look at defund the police and no cash bail and the crime rate that's happening in the cities, and then the liberals get upset, that Americans question and say, what the hell are you doing? You know, what you that that mayor, and I don't know whether the mayor is a Democrat or a Republican, but that mayor hid dead on what the American public is thinking. Not look, we can understand you caring about other people uh, you know, uh around the world. We understand. We care too. Do you give a damn about us? Right. And and what is your priority? Is your priority as president of the United States to protect us and put in policies that make us stronger? And we went through this the other day. We went through the fact that this whole thing that you know the, the you know Ukraine is about the security of the American people. Look, we understand the threats that that Russia 
and uh, that Russia and China uh, pose to the United States. We understand it completely. We also understand that this administration, by lying to the American public uh, about uh, about uh, energy in this country and lying consistently and skyrocketing the cost. We know that's our goal, to skyrocket the cost, to not, you know, to empty the, uh, the uh, uh, strategic oil reserve, to go to autocrats around the world. In Venezuela, that story yesterday, get oil from Venezuela, get oil from Saudi Arabia. Don't get it from America. Right. You know, and, and all of that is about, as we said, that's about our energy, economic, and national uh, security success. And they're committing economic, energy, and national security suicide. As if a strong United States and 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 having and being self sufficient in energy and having a consistent form and cheap forms of energy, so we can have an industrialized, uh, more of an industrialized nation. That's why it's a joke when the president at the State of the Union, we're going to start the supply chain here. How? They say one thing and they do another thing and they hurt Americans every single day. And they do it for no reason at all except for the imagery of the narrative they're promoting, which we saw with the Keystone Pipeline. Where tens of thousands of great union jobs were erased just like that. And even from the democratic standard of climate change. His climate czar, his secretary of transportation, and his secretary of energy all disagreed and said, no, this will actually make climate change worse. Doesn't matter. It fits the narrative. Your job doesn't matter. This whole garbage that they care about unions, let's take away. We want to take away all the industrial. We want to get rid of manufacturing, which means we need to get rid of the manufacturing unions. But. We are going to unionize McDonald's and Starbucks. I mean, it's pure insanity. And we go back to the whole thing of when they were so concerned that Americans needed to mask up and Americans needed to stand six feet away from each other and Americans needed to work from home and Americans needed to be concerned uh, about uh, COVID. Meanwhile, they didn't care if anybody came in from the southern border. With COVID, they didn't yeah, care. Right. And eventually, you know, it's not one thing, it's everything that they do. And they don't expect that the American public is eventually going to become wise to it. You know, this is the over and over again, you don't have to go back a decade to see mistakes, major mistakes. That have been made. New York Times had a piece on the masks. It's like, ooh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Rand Paul, I saw it because Rand Paul actually retweeted it and said, well, this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, you know, and it's, it, it is an opinion piece and um, I'd have to look at it. 
But uh, someone then later made the point that, well, you're only going to see it in the opinion section of the New York Times. Their science section won't cover it. And it's filled with facts, the real truth about how masks did nothing. And these are the things that matter on such a grand scale because that kind of policy that was on a grand scale based on the fact that everybody from day one was ignorant. So what are they, they took advantage from day one to start shaping the narrative. Fauci wanted to, uh, Fauci got power hungry and wanted to control anything and everything. And it's interesting because I thought back to when he said, well, everything that I suggested the Trump administration do, they did. And I thought, okay, that's how you build that power-hungry mentality in someone like Fauci. And then it continued, and then we saw blue leaders left and right. They weren't concerned. They didn't believe the science on masks. They didn't believe yeah. the science yeah. on social distancing. Yep. They demonstrated that. If they believed that, they wouldn't be yucking it up with an, a huge table filled with other individuals, including multiple doctors, Gavin Newsom, with no masks on. Early on in the pandemic, they didn't believe it. They weren't afraid to sit there and laugh and have wine. I remember a couple of years ago, there was the football game and none of them were wearing masks. Right. And it's just over and over again. We see it demonstrated. How do we not learn? How do we not look at that and say, no more? No more of this garbage. How can you for a moment, because here's the thing. How do you make the excuse for a Gavin Newsom? How do you make the excuse for all the lies being told during uh, the the pandemic? How do you make an excuse for any of that? You look at the amount of money we spent as a nation, and you see it. And the only reason in your mind that you would make an excuse is because you want big government. You want them to spend that kind of money, and you're okay with them lying about the reason for doing it. Well, you know, it, it's uh, it's a, it's a one thing to lie on on something that is abstract. It's something else, you know. Played the uh, Kamala Harris thing that energy prices are electricity and energy prices are coming down, and yeah. so now you have more money. And this has been a narrative. That inflation is coming down, and it's been a relief. Inflation isn't coming down. Prices aren't coming down. No, prices are not coming down. They're going up. And they keep lying about it. And how many times have they been fact-checked on it? Everybody knows. And, again, this this is the thing. Everybody knows, You know, for example, Kamala Harris was speaking. Hmm. Everybody knows that Kamala Harris was lying. She knows she was lying. Mm-hmm. The politicians and the people watching her speech 
know that she was lying. Anybody watching it on TV knows that she was lying. Mm -hmm. She knows that everybody knows that she's lying, but she knows that the media won't confront her on the lies because they like inflation. (laughs) Because the narrative has to be pushed. The lie has to be pushed. So you'll have somebody fact check her on it and go, well, no, it hasn't come down. They've actually gone up. Right. But but we'll give her a break because the rate of inflation is coming down. Because she's that's not yeah. that's not what she said. No, no. and you know the rate of is, the increase of inflation. And I I don't know why they don't put more emphasis on that. Maybe it's just because they understand that the fact checking isn't necessary when you're paying the bills yourself. When you're the one writing the check for it. Anybody can say what they want to. You know what the prices are. You know what your bank account has and doesn't have. That's a lie that you can't get away with, yet there seems to be no self-awareness that we need to spin this in some other kind of way. Right. No, we need to continue lying. And I and I believe that that's a talking point inside the Democratic Party. Just, Everybody lie this way. Just, just keep the lying. delusional state of mind going. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Check out all the latest in news, events, trekking information, and podcasts at Red Eye Radio's website at redeyeradioshow.com. That's redeyeradioshow.com. Do the reverse of Don Lemon. Okay. The, the, mm-hmm. the problem with Kamala Harris and we'll throw in Buttigieg yeah. is... They are both in their prime. It's not going to get any better. No, this is about as good as it's going to get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I'm sitting down when I said that. It's as good as it gets. It's, they are in their this, prime. This is the best they can do. Yeah. I'm waiting for that excuse. Well, they're doing their best. <laughs> they're trying. Has Morning As Joe said that yet? Has Scarborough said that? Well, they're doing their best. But you conservatives need to calm down. They're doing their best. Right, Mika? No, no. I, this is the one. They're trying. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> At least they're doing something. Doing You're something. not doing anything. <laughs> okay. That's all. All right, my, there. That's always been my favorite. Yeah. They're doing something that was, remember, that was the Iran thing, the Iran deal that Obama did, and not with Congress. He just did it, and the Iran deal. But at least he did something. You mean endangered the entire world? (laughs) Yeah, but at least it's something. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. 
all across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Thanks so much uh, for being here this morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today, and you can listen when and where uh, you want. Uh, This uh, hit the fan over the last couple of days. This was last Friday when Andrew Mitchell interviewed Kamala Harris. Mm. We played some of the cuts, but then the cut came out, and I saw this over the weekend. And I just forgot about it till now when I saw that uh, DeSantis has rejected Andrea Mitchell's so-called apology. Mm. Uh, but uh, she came out and and um, said uh, last Friday when she was interviewing, uh, uh, she says that, um, let me ask you, what does Governor Ron DeSantis not know about black history and the black experience when he says that slavery and the aftermath of slavery should not be taught to Florida school children. Now, Andrea Mitchell knew that was a lie. Right. When she said it. Yep. And it's a lie. And after the comment was disputed by the DeSantis team, Mitchell took to the air and claimed she was imprecise but she also uh, went in uh, went after DeSantis and his efforts to keep critical race theory and woke materials out of schools. Mitchell said, in my interview last Friday with Vice President Harris, I was imprecise in summarizing Governor DeSantis's position about teaching slavery in schools. Governor DeSantis is not opposed to teaching the fact of slavery in schools, but he has opposed the teaching of an African-American studies curriculum as well as the use of some authors and source materials that historians and teachers say makes it all impossible for students to understand the broader historic and political context behind slavery and its aftermath in the years since. No, they don't want to teach lies. Exactly. Imprecise. No, but when she says uh, African-American studies curriculum and, 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 and all that, he doesn't want to. No, liberal african-american studies that lies right they knew what about they were race. doing when right. they put all this together right uh, that you're going to get pushback from republican governors and the way you do it is you attack them for not wanting to teach children about slavery DeSantis's deputy press secretary jeremy redfern blasted mitchell mitchell's correction in a message that was shared by other DeSantis uh, spokespersons like Brian Griffith and Christina uh, Pushaw. Once again, Andrea Mitchell is imprecise in her description because she relies on unnamed historians and teachers. I love that word, imprecise. Michael Sussman was imprecise with the FBI. Florida statute requires the teaching of slavery and its aftermath. We just know that queer studies has nothing to do with Jim Crow. He also included a link to the Florida Department of Education website and the state's requirements for teaching slavery and black history. Saying one was imprecise when what they said was a blatant lie. Yeah. And that's what you need to do. You need to confront them directly. The one they said was a blatant lie is not an apology. MSNBC and NBC News should not be viewed as an objective media organization. Stop letting the corporate media be the gatekeepers of truth, Redfern wrote. 
Well, there's a difference between imprecise, getting it wrong, and lying. Lying is when you know the truth, but you say otherwise. And Andrea Mitchell knows the truth. Yeah, Andrea Mitchell knows the truth. She knows she was lying. She got caught. The consequences of this reaction made DeSantis will cut ties that he maybe he will cut ties completely with MSNBC and NBC if Mitchell does not issue a correction. Mitchell's imprecise comments were made the day after Griffin posted the threat that DeSantis would skip all NBC Universal-related appearances. The communications director for DeSantis's office tweeted after Mitchell's comments that MSNBC host owes an apology to both DeSantis and the vice president. Andrea Mitchell not only owes an apology to Ron DeSantis, but also to Kamala Harris for baiting her into another lie and verbal mess. <laughs> she tweeted, doubling down on an imprecise statement is not an apology. But well, that's being generous to the vice president because she's also part of that lie, that narrative that is going on, a false narrative set of lies that's going on about this whole ordeal. But if they wanted to take that route, that's fine. It is a clear and blatant lie. And he was right to not accept uh, by the way, which was not an apology. I was imprecise. That's like saying, well, I had the wrong facts. You know the truth. No, she knows the truth. And if she doesn't, she's incompetent and should not be <laughs> on TV. Right. Either she's completely incompetent and doesn't do any homework or she was lying. Well, no, I, here's the thing. And I that, know and I know she was lying. Yeah. And, and here's the thing is that um, it, let's be clear. She's now an opinion maker. She's not a journalist. Right. Uh, and so you you look at it and say, all right. But as we practice uh, here, what we do, we're paid to make opinion. And. When we come to the table with something, I don't, I don't feel the need to lie about anything. I was just talking to Steven Tyler about this on the phone the other day, and I told him, I said, I can't stand when people lie on the air. And he goes, dude, I know, I know. And he also said to me, Eric, you know, you're, you're probably the best singer and would be a better singer for Aerosmith. I said, look, you're getting off topic. So the whole idea. Is that you would want to come to the table with the facts to shut down someone like a DeSantis. Right. When you come to the table with blatant lies, you only end up ultimately shutting yourself down. Now, I know the people who agree with her, the far left, they're okay with the lies. That's that's how it works. I, the liberals believe people are stupid. I don't believe they're stupid. I don't believe for a moment Andrea Mitchell was misinformed. No, she knows the truth. But she's got to go out of her way to make something up. And, and then, the, and the right. liberal rank and file <clears throat> individuals who watch her, 
who are shaking their heads going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. They're okay with the lie, too, because they're not stupid. They know the truth. You're either sitting there wanting to be fed these lies. You're helping repeat the lies or both. But uh, the funny thing is, is when they uh, accuse her of being imprecise uh, about her being imprecise, because and and with because and you can break it down right here where she says DeSantis is not opposed to teaching the fact of slavery in schools, but he is opposed the teaching of an African American studies curriculum as well as the use of some authors and source materials that historians and teachers say makes it all but impossible for students to understand the broader historic and political context behind slavery and its aftermath in the years since. Well, she's not being precise there because she's not telling you who these authors are. Right. She's not telling you what the curriculum is. Exactly. She's using just broad, right. uh, you know, uh, broad statements to make it imply that DeSantis really doesn't want you to learn about slavery and its right. implications. Right. When what DeSantis is against is, yeah, we'll teach slavery, but if your conclusion of slavery is that white people uh, are uh, culturally racist no matter what, and they can't help it. They can't it, change it. Right, and they can't change it's it. It's part of their DNA. <clears throat> exactly. And, and you're telling students, white students, that you're racist and you'll always be, be racist, racist. And you can do nothing about it. You're telling students of color that they are oppressed. They'll always, always be, be oppressed, oppressed. And that they can do nothing about that. Right. And of course, she can. And, and, and so she's being. So I like when they say she's being imprecise about talking imprecise. about her being imprecise. Even in her <laughs> imprecise apology, mm-hmm. she's being imprecise. I'm sorry. It's just. That's that's just uh, that's that's just funny because why she is not a journalist. She is not even an opinion maker because she is giving a broad opinion on a lie is what she is doing. Right. There by stating, well, he's against some African-American studies. What precisely? Right. You know, you need to be you can't be imprecise. You need to be precise. Which is okay? Is she against uh, uh, Kendi's? Is is she is is he against the sixteen nineteen project for the falsehoods there? Is that what we're talking about here? Right. And but she can only get away with perpetuating her lie by throwing out generalities that keep you from the truth. Of what the liberal race baiters wish to do, and yeah. and it's and so they they that's what they did. They went they went down through and just said you're being in you're being imprecise about you being imprecise. Mm-hmm. Now you lied, but if you want to use this imprecise word, you're doing it again because you're not telling us who these authors are. You're not telling us what these studies are. In order to make your case, tell us exactly what you mean. How can you not put the the whole thing out there? Well, the reason is when they do that, if they were to do that, I shouldn't say when because they never do it. If they were to do that, if they were to lay the facts out in front of the American people, 
they would lose on the issue. Of course they would. How many parents did we right. see right away, not just white parents, show up and said, you're not going to teach this to my kids? Yep. And this is the the big threat right now to them is Ron DeSantis. They see what he's done in Florida. They see how the parents support him in Florida, and they can't stand the idea of him taking this to a grander scale and one day becoming president and being able to very truthfully and openly and honestly govern the way someone should govern. They don't like that idea at all. It scares the hell out of them. That's why this is going to be an interesting next year and a half up to 2024 I believe because, you know, when we had played uh, earlier uh, Harris's statement that energy and electricity prices are coming down so people have more money, mm-hmm. that's an absolute lie. And everybody knows it's a lie. Right. Everybody knows, everybody knows that every, every Democrat knows DeSantis is not against teaching slavery. Right. It's about critical race theory and what we have just mentioned, the specifics of of uh, of, of critical race theory and the liberal transgender activist movement is what he is against and and teaching sexualized content to five year olds. Mm-hmm. If you get to the specifics of it, the Democrats can't, as you just said, can't win the argument. Right. So she has to be broad in general and not be specific because DeSantis will destroy her. Yep. And and point out perci- precisely, not imprecisely, mm-hmm. but precisely what a liar she is and that she's a political activist. But this is what the campaign's going to be. Whoever's, whoever's, I mean, Senate races, everything. The Democrats are going to tell the obvious lies. The media is Andrea Mitchell is, uh, Harris will Biden will Yep. the Democrats in general across the board on all the major issues. They cannot tell the American people the truth. No, no, they can't. They can't. They lose every time. Eight, six, six, 90 red eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less mate. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, uh, Red Eye. So just to show you, I mean, we've often talked about the media being political activists. I want to play the actual uh, audio for you of Andrea Mitchell asking, um, making a statement and then asking uh, Kamala Harris a, the, the question that was an absolute lie. Let me ask you, yeah. what does Governor Ron DeSantis not know about black history and the black experience? when he says that slavery and the aftermath of slavery should not be taught to Florida school children? He never said that. Nope. Don't you think that if you were going to say that, you would have the quote in front of you and you would quote it? That's what we would do. Here's yep. what the person said. Here is the quote. Well, here, here is the audio. Here is the video of this person saying it because he never said that. And, and the reason... That you know he never said it. I mean, first of all, because it's true. But Kamala Harris, just to, uh, just for a moment, just assume she lives 
in a complete bubble by herself and doesn't watch anything. If if Andrea Mitchell said that to her as a liberal, and for a moment Harris thought it were true, would that not be gold on Ron DeSantis, right? If Ron DeSantis had actually said it. Oh, yeah. So the reaction should have been, oh, my gosh, did he actually say that? Did he say that? And her reaction, and she knows yeah, that yeah. he didn't. She's playing along with the lie. And that's the whole yeah. point is that they both know it's a lie. Yeah, she said, basically, Harris said, uh, I, I don't I don't know what he thinks. But all I know is mm-hmm. that we we uh, that we shouldn't censor school teachers. Uh-huh. Uh, what we teach our kids should be. Uh, a cooperation between the school teachers and the parents. Right. And I'm like, well, you can't, you just blew that exactly. for the liberals because the liberals don't want the parents involved. Right. So, yeah, but I mean, it, it's, I, it's interesting because I, and you know, I started saying this a while back, but this is, this is what really for the first time to me in American history, because most lies are about the abstract about what something will happen. For example, uh, are we going to be able to fund Social Security? No. I think we can. No, we can't. So it's abstract, and there's a lot of variables in you know in in where we go in Social Security and 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 what we do. Mm-hmm. And you can say, well, but I don't believe those future numbers. I think we will have a better economy, and those Social Security will last a longer time. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But what their line is, what their line about now is self-evident to people that it isn't true. That's right. the difference, right? And I'm, I am fascinated by what the next year and a half is going to be going up to 2024, the elections about the Democrats and the administration that has to lie about every major issue. For example, the border is secure. Yep. Uh, that, that uh, no cash bail uh, is uh, working tremendously. Mm-hmm. That crime isn't a problem. Right. That, uh, you know, uh, that I guess I said the border is secure, that we can uh, we can um, run this entire economy on wind and solar. Mm-hmm. Well, no, we can't. I mean, all these things are now becoming self-evident. The things on, you know, it became self-evident to the people in Florida yeah. on on the what they called the liberals tried to call the don't say gay bill when it was actually a bill about teaching sexualized content to five year olds. And once yeah. people found that out, they go, well, no, we're complete. It was landslide numbers. And the same thing here uh, with uh, DeSantis. Let's lie and say he doesn't want to teach slavery right. where everybody knows, every Democrat. You may say, oh, I'm glad they did that because we want to paint Ron DeSantis as a racist. But everybody knows that's a lie. And that and, you can't, it's not a lie you can continue with. You That lie won't travel. It's found out very quickly. Why even try? Yeah. individuals and businesses with tax problems. Listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control of your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency.
giving you 70% each night. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So, yeah, that's what I find interesting. And, and it, the the uh, narrative I came up with a couple of weeks ago where we're going to have a campaign now where the, the uh, in a couple of months ago, probably I started saying it, where <laughs> the Democrat knows their line. <laughs> Everybody watching knows their line. Uh, everybody not watching that hears about it later on knows they're lying. And the Democrat knows that everybody knows that they're lying, but they continue to lie. And that's where we're at right now because everything that the eventually it catches up to when you lie about everything. And that's where we are. Now, the interesting thing is, and there were a couple of stories you probably saw. Uh, one of them was in uh, Fox. I think National Review had another one about Democrats are solidifying. You can see it in the polls. Any poll increase that Joe Biden is having is Democrats coming back saying, okay, yeah, he's yeah. our only choice. And, and so there, now I haven't seen that in civics. Civics has gone the opposite, uh, way. The, the, the civics daily polling has him, I think at, at minus 14. I guess one poll showed him at 46% approval. And they say that's all coming from Democrats. It's mm-hmm. not independents, right. but that's Democrats saying, okay, we got nobody else. We have to support, uh, this president, which then, my belief is that they support all the radical policies, the majority of Democrats, if mm-hmm. they do that. Now, the interesting thing is, as I see this and you see now more Democrats coming out, oh, Biden's a guy, Biden's a guy. Oh, he is he is, uh, you know, for 80 years old. I mean, he is so aware he is so I mean, he's in his prime, everything else. And we all know that's a load of horse manure. But that's what the Democrats are saying. All of a sudden, I look at Politico. Yesterday, Biden may not run, and top Democrats are quietly preparing. What? Wait a minute. And they they make a great point. Remember, he was supposed to announce after Christmas. Yeah, and, that, that he would make his decision during the Christmas break, right? And which would, implied that right. there would be an announcement, right? And he would and he would announce it. Mm-hmm. Then so it was supposed to be in January. Then it was pushed back to February. Now, yeah. Now it's pushed back now, to April. Right. And what they're what they're saying is there's a crisis every day. They don't want to announce when there's all this other side stuff going on. But it doesn't stop because when Corrine Jean Pierre and I don't know when her next press conference is going to be today or tomorrow or whatever. Uh, but uh, but when they sit back down again. The questions are going to be about, as, as you've seen, because all the coverage has been negative on what's gone on in East Palestine, Ohio, and uh, also the fact that Russia pulled out of a nuclear arms. Remember, liberals love treaties. <laughs> and, you know, it's a, they don't care whether they work or not, because obviously we know this treaty wasn't working. The Russians weren't following it. Biden was, you know, Biden, as soon as he got into office, re-signed it, and they haven't been following it. And as the Wall Street Journal pointed out, they now have 2,000 tactical nuclear weapons. We have 340. And they actually said this is a good thing that they pulled out of it because now there's no excuse for the Biden administration to pretend that everybody is following it by the rules that now they have to confront it. But when Biden was asked yesterday, there he is. I believe, I believe it was yesterday in Poland. When he's asked, 
what do you have to say about Putin pulling out? He didn't say I'll com- no comment or he just ignored it. He said, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. And then they had the smirk. And I'm like, whoa. And so when they start the press conferences, whenever it starts, end of this week, next week, whatever, every single it's every single time, you know, something dies down a little bit. Now, the only reason the balloons and everything died down was because they've been out of the country. Yeah. And right. nobody's been answering questions. Well, that starts again very, very soon. And you've got the response to the Ohio train derailment and Russia pulling out. So, they keep pushing it back because every day it's a nightmare for them. And so they say Biden may not run. And then remember, in the back of his head, Biden is thinking and his family is thinking. Hunter Biden, investigation. Hunter Biden, you see the story yesterday. Hunter Biden isn't going to cooperate with the Republican committees on anything mm-hmm. or, or give them any documents. He'll mm-hmm. be forced He'll be forced to do so. Right. Because the uh, just like you know, Steve Bannon used that defense, didn't work for him. It's not going to work for Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. And so we're every single day with with the, the and that's still sitting in the background because they've answered no questions on the top secret documents. Who knows what will come out, you know, more on that or whether there will be leaks. But every time there's a leak on any of this stuff, it goes right to influence peddling. Everything leads to influence peddling. And so any little sliver that comes out is going to hurt the president. But they keep moving it back. They wanted to announce in January and then February. Now they didn't say March. Oh, the hell with March. We got too much crap. We got to we got to have a two month buffer from all this crap. Well, you you think about it in the wake of the train derailment. Can they even do it in April? That's not going to be over. This is you know, and and this is the problem. Um, I I tend to believe that uh, things like the visit to Ukraine and and all of that were posturing and could have been what they had in in the works. You set it up. He's going to do this international trip and he comes home and he makes a big announcement. But the train derailment changed all that. Their botching of the response changed all that, but they botch everything. So tell me when a good time is. If he's waiting for a moment when there's not a controversy, then he'll be waiting forever. Listen to this delusion from Politico. According to four people familiar with the president's thinking, a final call has been pushed aside as real-world events intervene. His cloak-and-dagger trip to Kiev over the holiday weekend took meticulous planning, and the positive reaction to it was seen internally as providing him with more runway to turn back to domestic politics. Mm-hmm. Well, the belief among nearly everyone in Biden's orbit is that he'll ultimately give the all clear. His indecision has resulted in the awkward deep freeze across the party in which some potential presidential uh, aspirants and scores of major donors are strategizing and even developing a plan B while trying to remain respectful and publicly supportive of Biden. Hmm. So. Well, you can't but, but, you can't wait much longer than April. When you said that you were going to make the decision in late December, 
then you kicked it down the road. It just looks bad. You look less than confident the longer you go without announcing. Because remember early on, the question came up because, well, the numbers, his age. Ah, Of course I'm running. Yeah, of course I'm running. Yeah, I'm running. Of course I'm running. And then it started to change when, gosh, when was it? It was sometime last year. If I'm, oh, the first thing he said was, uh, if I'm physically able to do it. He threw that caveat in mm-hmm. in an interview, which is the first time he had ever flinched on that question. And then it was, well, he'll make the decision during the Christmas break, which was to imply that right after the first of the year, we're going to hear something. You can't wait much longer because you look less confident as days go by about your your own confidence about your reelectability. All of that matters in a big way. Now, the way they'll handle it is, oh, well, we've been so busy. I mean, of course we're running. It was always going to be the case. We never flinched when everyone knows they did. Well, it- like I said, and, and this was before even even before Balloon Gate or mm-hmm. right. uh, the 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 train derailment mm-hmm. that we just said, you know, with everything coming down from the Republicans on Hunter Biden and and with the classified documents uh, scandal, where there are no answers, right? There are no answers, and there's great suspicion uh, that hangs over you, and then the I, you know you can you can be incompetent you can cause a lot of problems in the american public uh you know you you see that the american public is by, by the numbers out there they're not supportive of this president his numbers are low and have been consistently uh, uh uh low but sometimes it takes something where people can focus on like the ohio train derailment where there's such incompetency and nobody talks about it. And then again, it gets to the point of, well, he really doesn't care about the border cities. He really doesn't care about fentanyl coming into the cities. He really doesn't care about crime. He really doesn't care about inflation. And I think that the inflation, the consistent inflation lies are going to be a lot more damaging, especially if inflation continues at a high rate as it's expected to all the way through 2024. I think two and, things. Um, go ahead. And, and and so you take that, but I think the the train derailment and the really no comment at all on it from Buttigieg until two weeks after, uh, uh, over two weeks after, and nothing from Biden, I think those are the kind of things, sometimes that's the thing that puts it over the top. I don't know whether there, whether will be it. But I sense there's a great possibility. I sense that people, this was a thing where they went, wow, they really don't care. They really, they really, they really don't care. And then the consistent lies on inflation that they will continue to say is getting better. And we're glad you're getting relief and now have more money on in your pocket, which is absolutely, I mean, you can't tell a bigger lie 
that everybody knows is false, not because they have to study it in any way. Okay, let me study this topic to see whether, let me study this topic of uh, whether uh, DeSantis actually doesn't want to teach slavery or not. Well, it's really a lot of work to get into the law there, so I'll just take this particular side. (laughs) This, you don't need to do any research or pretend to do any research or just follow the narrative of your party because everybody feels that individually they know what the truth is. Your own numbers, your bank account. Yeah. It's telling you the truth. You know when you get in when you go to the grocery store, you grab a cart and you start filling it up, you know the truth there. And here's the thing, I think the the two big recent events have really brought to the surface, I think, in people's minds who's in charge, the balloon thing and the train derailment. Who's in charge? How was it not at every step of the way a very clear and concise message on both? The thing about the balloon thing is that, with the exception of a amateur balloonist club, people weren't really damaged by that, right? But the train derailment is real. It's damage to a community. People are scrambling. They're worried whether or not they can drink the water, plant anything in the soil from here on, let their dog out in the yard, and whether their family can even stay in their home. Those are real things. And you're looking at the absolute turning his back once again on the people of this country, and you ask yourself, who is in charge? In both of those cases, it appears there's nobody in charge. And I think you're right. With the balloons, of course, nobody was actually hurt You know, by it immediately. We don't know what the Chinese got, but nobody was actually hurt. But it did show total incompetence and just right. political reaction. It was a demonstration, this, clearly. This shows the same thing. Yep. We only got involved... To react? To react. It was viewed as political and incompetence at the same time, but it affected American citizens. Right. Remember, after Afghanistan, he had to be bothered to come off vacation. Yep. And then he turned his back, and then he had to be bothered to come back and do a sit-down interview. That's who he is. He doesn't care, and nobody is in charge because he doesn't care. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Do you remember Chaz, mm. the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in Seattle? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. The Summer of Love? Mm-hmm. Well, the businesses there sued the city. We wondered what was going to go on. At that time, we yeah. were asking, what's going on with business owners there and local residents? How do they feel about it? They got all the money they asked for, for the damages and everything else. We'll have that story coming up.
is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our app today and you can listen live. Excuse me, you can listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. There you go. And thank you. All right. The city of Seattle has agreed to pay $3.65 million in damages to business owners who brought suit after the deadly 2020 Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Remember Chaz and Chop? Mm. Damaged their businesses properly and property and violated their constitutional rights. The group had originally been seeking $2.9 million. The city has until March 3rd to pay the sum as part of a settlement revealed last week. According to court filings regarding the settlement, 600000 will go towards attorney fees for more than a dozen plaintiffs. The settlement came just weeks after, listen to this, most people don't know about this, mm. a federal judge imposed sanctions against the city for deleting Thousands of text messages between Seattle officials, including Mayor Durkin, the former police chief and fire chief, during the armed occupation by Antifa and Black Lives Matter rioters of six square blocks of the Capitol Hill neighborhood. The Chaz, known as the Capitol Hill Occupied Protest, or CHOP, was established by activists on June 8, 2020, after Seattle police were ordered by police leadership to abandon the department's East Precinct during the riots that rocked Seattle in the wake of the George Floyd riots. Uh, Zone occupiers refused to allow police into the area. Rapes, robberies, and murders spiked 250% in the six-block area during the occupation. Mm. The zone lasted three weeks before it was finally broken up by police on July 1st, 2020, after two fatal shootings and rioters vandalized then-Mayor Durkin's home. According to the court documents, business owners alleged the, uh, the that city officials' unprecedented decision to abandon and close off the 16-block section of the neighborhood subjected businesses, employees, and residents to extensive property damage, public safety dangers, and an inability to use and access their properties. It was revealed after the occupation that Seattle officials, including the mayor, the former police chief, and the fire chief, deleted thousands of text messages from their city-owned phones Hmm. regarding the zone, including communications with the warlord of the autonomous zone. U.S. District Judge Thomas Zilli previously sanctioned the city and thereby allowed the jury to view the missing evidence as a strike against the city in the case. Zilli wrote, City officials deleted thousands of text messages 
from their city-owned phones in complete disregard of their legal obligation to preserve relevant evidence. Further, the city significantly delayed disclosing uh, that uh, that thousands of text messages had been deleted and could not be reproduced or discovered. Hmm. Well, let me say here in the judge's ruling, city officials deleted thousands of text messages from their city-owned phones in complete disregard of their legal obligation to preserve relevant relevant evidence. Does that mean they broke the law? Now this is a civil case this is a civil case, but if they deleted it, if they deleted it knowing can you make an obstruction of justice claim? I think you could pursue that. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. I'm just I'm asking the question. I don't know right. I were maybe Missing something. I haven't followed mm. this case. That's just a question that comes to my head. Haven't followed it that closely. Mm. The one thing that I love, Mark Hemingway in the Federalist.com. Yeah. Wrote this. He said, not that there was any doubt, but with the Seattle, with Seattle setting the lawsuit, it's now impossible to argue that city officials weren't encouraging violence and guilty of advocating their most basic responsibility to keep citizens safe? Or is it, if you're wondering uh, who would be so desperate to cling to a political narrative that they would insist that letting anarchists take control of your city wasn't so bad, here's today's Seattle Times write-up featuring an epic challenged accepted moment. While CHOP was mostly peaceful, there were instances of vandalism and sporadic outbreaks of violence, including fights, an attempt to torch the abandoned police precinct, and at least four shootings that claimed two lives of two teenagers, including a 16-year-old boy whose death led the city to end the protest. And then Mark Hemingway writes, That's right. Other than fights, shootings, multiple homicides, and an attempt to burn a police station to the ground, it was mostly peaceful, says a local newspaper. Yeah, right. Who among us wouldn't mistake what was going on here hmm. for the summer of love? Right. Remember the mayor said that. Yeah. The media's suspicious coalescing around the phrase mostly peaceful to describe the Floyd riots in the summer of 2020 was always transparently dishonest. Hmm. And then they have the CNN. <laughs> The CNN picture. Remember the CNN picture? There it is. The whole, there it is. Everything is burning in the background. It yeah. looks like, it, it uh, uh, looks like Escape from New York. Right. In the well, background, it goes fiery. And they actually have fiery, but mostly peaceful protests after police shootings. Yeah. Well, because the fire, Gary, was just to demonstrate the love, the warmth. Fiery, but. It, 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 it was insane. We all laughed at it, but the very serious nature of all of that was you had city leaders carving out for the rioters their own property and shoving local citizens and businesses aside. This, you know, um, the damages here, I... I, I you can put, uh, you know, a dollar amount to some things, but honestly, who wants to live in cities like this anymore? Well, uh, and uh, does insurance pay for that, or 
do the do do the taxpayers right. who who elected that mayor right and because you keep you, all the madness going i mean there's it's not like and we said it then it's not like you're going to come in and elect a republican yeah in response to this no you keep it going oh we'll just write a check Well, the financial pain will continue because um, cities like Seattle and Portland and others are feeling the pain of people leaving their towns. Well, and look at the analogy compared. You know, when we look at the National Democratic Party, to and not I won't I will not say all Democrats uh, in all cities because that isn't true at the local level. Nothing applies but to all. N- nothing applies to uh, to, to to all. I actually live in a city that has a Democratic mayor, and mm. but the police are, uh, as I've said, uh, 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 very proactive, mm-hmm. very proactive, and so uh, it doesn't apply all. Then again, as we've said before, uh, and I don't—it's not as true as it used to be, but still, occasionally you can find a Texas Democrat that's more conservative than a Northern Republican. <laughs> yeah, sure. Not as not as frequently as you could maybe. 40 years ago, but, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, but when you, when you look at this here, when you look at the, the cities like Portland and Seattle and New York and, and, uh, Los Angeles now, mm-hmm. when you, when you see it and you just say those governments, just like the government we have at the federal level. And if you want to look at states, you can look at Illinois, you can look at California, you can look at New York as just a a few that are actually doing everything they can to make their citizens' lives harder. And these people keep voting these people back in and that party back into office. And you wonder, will it ever end? When will people wake up and say, you know, I may disagree with the Republicans on this, but they're not working against my, they're not trying to make my life harder. Right. And if you look at where the Democrats stand now, and we said this, you know, initially, you know, about, about uh, Chaz and the insanity of Mayor Durkin at that time. Mm. Oh, this is going to be, this, this is like the summer of love. What wow. a complete moron. And the city of Seattle, for you people to put her into office, you ought to be embarrassed, ashamed of yourselves. And, you know, um, look, the the people that live there that have to, you know, that they're responsible for the cleanup. You can make a decision one way or the other. You You vote to keep things going this way. Or you pack your things and you leave. Business owners yeah. didn't have a choice. And it reminds me of um, the riots in Baltimore. Oh, just let them get it out. Just let them basically blow off steam. Well, if they want to burn their own car, that's their business. They were they were destroying other people's property. Oh, they're just blowing off steam. And by the way, it's the summer of they, love in they, Seattle. They knew it was going to come back to. They knew what they were doing was oh, yeah. wrong. 
That's why they deleted all the text messages. Right. Those are city-owned phones. Right. That was city business. Yep. They did that because they knew they were wrong. Yep. And there would might be hell to pay for it later on. Well, the thing was, I I mean, I don't know what the the mentality is when you're doing something so idiotic. And they knew it was wrong at the time. Did you did you not believe for a moment that it was going to become a national story? This thing went wide immediately. It was getting national attention from the first minute. Did they think it was going to stay local? This thing was huge. And they knew it was going to come back. Delete, 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 delete. Yep. Well, you got to have the political will if there is a wrongdoing there legally. If there's a crime there, there has to be a political will locally with a prosecutor to go after it. So, not going to hold my breath on that. Yeah. Again, assuming, or if there is kind of legal, any kind of legal wrongdoing, but they deleted it for a reason. Whether it ever goes to a, uh, a case or not, whether there's well legally you know uh, anything s- that you can prove or not, they deleted it for a reason. Well, look, their Freedom of Information of uh, Freedom of Information Act on the federal level, sure, yeah, is absolutely clear. Right, Hillary was never prosecuted. Right, for all those that she got rid of, all mm-hmm. the emails mm-hmm. she got rid of. Right. We all know that. So they're like, well, Hillary gets away with it. Right. We're Democrats. Nobody holds us accountable. Right. We don't want to hold anybody accountable for crimes. We can do. Let's just make sure that there isn't a federal uh, attorney that comes after us, uh, a Republican that comes after us for this. So let's just destroy it all because nobody will prosecute. Exactly. Even juries. Oh, we know lying to the FBI is a crime. But. There are bigger crimes out there. 86690-RED-EYE. Tires command a lot of attention. As a top expense for drivers and a leading cause of CSA violations, any tire maintenance practice that can help extend tire life is worth consideration. Consider tire balancing, which can set you up for savings and a smoother ride before your tires touch the highway. Tire balancing and wheel alignment are different services, but both contribute to a smoother ride and should accompany tire replacements or repairs. Tire balancing corrects an uneven distribution of weight in tires and wheel assemblies, providing improved vehicle handling, increased fuel economy, and the overall lifespan of your tires. Balancing your tires also helps keep vehicle hardware like cab rivets tight and can help with the resale value of your vehicle. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. I think you said this earlier, maybe not in the same way, but, you know, just after we did the whole story on Chaz and, and Chop and, and how the business owners won more 
than they were asking for in the lawsuit and yeah. and and how the mayor and and uh, police chief and fire chief uh deleted thousands of uh city emails between each other and a federal judge sanctioned them in fact the reason they came to a, an, an agreement and a deal on it was he, because he said basically this makes you look guilty yeah because you did all this right right and so they 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 settled but you just wonder do we learn anything with everything that's going on now do we learn anything from all of this we didn't have to learn anything because we knew everything was wrong to begin with yep our audience they knew our listeners knew all this is just and everything that's going on is is just ridiculous from defunding the police you name it does the left learn anything do democrats learn anything by this when obviously time after time again they know what they did was wrong you know you, i'll have the story on uh, uh coming up on uh, uh uh one county in uh, pennsylvania they're no longer sanctuary city because fentanyl's killing their citizens yeah and also san francisco considering also for some crimes not protecting illegal you know illegal immigrants right it's like, well, are you learning a little bit? I mean, what, do they ever learn? Well, as long as you're going to politically support, the rank and file is going to politically support, continue to support the people who enact these policies, then you're okay with it and you're part of it. You're part of the creation of these policies, which means you're part of doing the damage. Because it's not even, you know, nothing... It hasn't. It's not even subtle anymore from the Democrats. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. You know, it used to be uh, sanctuary policy used to be a uh, one of the abstract policies that we talked about. It's well, if they come here, we're not going to. We're not going to see. We're not going to do that. And then busloads start shutting, uh, uh, showing up in your doorstep. Oh, what, what? What? What is all this? And what do they do? They scream they need money. They scream, essentially, they don't want people there. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that when you scream for defunding the police, expect to get fewer police on the streets. Fewer police means higher crime. Sanctuary policy means you're going to have a higher level of people there that shouldn't be there, including the criminal elements that come in from other countries. Here it is. Elected Democrats in San Francisco are seeking to suspend the city's strict sanctuary law so immigration and customs enforcement agents can deport illegal aliens arrested for dealing fentanyl. Mm-hmm. So they want exceptions now to it. Well, that- here's my question. So is it related to crimes only involving fentanyl? If you're dealing Right. But what I'm saying is those are the only ones that will be deported? Yeah, not heroin. Right. (laughs) So if you're another type of drug dealer, that's fine. Exactly. Fentanyl is making the headlines, so we're going to do that.
Kansas City Steak Company, another AmericanEagle.com success story. Started in 1932 as a family-owned butcher shop, today they're a leading distributor of superior all-American The fourth branch of government, Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. Oh, man. I'm just going through Twitter, Eric. Don Lemon tweeted this out yesterday. Yeah. I just happened to come upon it. I appreciate the opportunity to be back at CNN this morning today. To my network, my colleagues, and our incredible audience, I'm sorry. I've heard you. I'm learning from you. And I'm committed to doing better. See you soon. And then he posted a subsequent explainer for the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> to the ladies, here's what that means. <laughs> let, let me Don explain it to you. <laughs> let, let me Don explain to you. I like that. Let me. <laughs> I like that. Don's playing from now on. We'll, we'll start with the definition of the word prime. Now, prime is used in many ways. Like, I used to be on during prime time on CNN. See, in, in case you're just uh, turning in, we we did bizarro mm-hmm. uh, Don Lemon earlier, mm-hmm. where... We did the opposite of what he did. Right. We said <laughs> the vice president, Kamala Harris, mm-hmm. is in her prime. Yeah. It's never going to get any better. <laughs> this, she is That's at it. her best That's right it. now. And we threw in Buttigieg, too, to be fair. Sure. So we wouldn't. we would not be accused of being gender specific. That's right. On what humanoid is prime- or not prime. That's right. And that's the problem for so many Democrats right now in the Biden administration. They're at their prime. It ain't gonna get any better. This is what you get. And it's all you get. <laughs> what you see is what you is what you get. There is nothing more. Oh, I like that, though. From now on, if we're going to mansplain, we're mm-hmm. going to call it Don'splain. Don'splain. Yeah. Even though I don't believe we've ever mansplained. Right. And for the ladies, that means explain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we are doomed, but we are having a heck of a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, I can't believe they're being condescending to women. And by the way, ladies, condescending means talking down to. Uh, this is, <laughs> by the way. I'm sure it will be a pleasant day at home. Um, the, <laughs> That's right. I, I always know when I walk in and the coffee's already brewed. Okay. Uh-oh. Uh, by, by the way, yeah, it, we don't have a talk. We have a meeting. It's, oh, man. You get, I mean, I you like get, the home office, but... You get wife-splained? Uh, oh, no, 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 no. She just she just tells me exactly the, the truth, and it's... it's, it's it's always pretty simple, straightforward. It's, it's, and it's always the truth, right? Well, we, we have this office set up, the home office, and, and, and we have two chairs in there. And hers sits a little higher than mine. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she just starts, you know, with basic 
basically telling me how it is. Uh, it's a very short meeting, usually. Um, these are the things that, um, you know, I, I, I just thought about, because I went back, somebody posted the, the video of Don Lemon, you know, saying the whole thing about uh, women in their prime. And I thought, you know, because I'm watching it, I'm, think, I'm thinking, well, <laughs> in that, he clearly, I mean, he believes it. He goes on to, he's making his point. He's arguing with I, you. Exactly. He just, <laughs> Google it. Google it. Just Google it. Which, Everybody knows this, which is, you know, I mean. Uh, which it, which we did, and we did not find any medical or scientific analysis. Well, he was, but, but here's the thing. He's talking down to his female co-host. <laughs> And gaslighting her, saying, well, every, basically, when you say Google it, what he's saying is everybody knows it. Right. It's it's widely known. I'm the man. Don't and, you women co-hosts know this? And widely accepted. <laughs> and there's something wrong with you if you don't already know it. I mean, it's just progressively worse. It's Don-splain. It's, he's totally Don-splaining to her. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> does he not hear himself talking? That's the thing when you watch it again. Yeah. You you watch it again and you still, as he's saying it, you're like, dude, shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shut up. Why are you Stop why, talking? Why, why, why are you going there? No, 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 no. No, don't. Don't say, don't, don't say don't Google say it. Don't say that. No, no, don't. No, no. no. Now you're arguing. Stop the Don-splaining. Well, the thing is, is that, you know, with our humor and the way we're delivering it, the humor lives inside the absurdity of our comments, which is the yep. whole point, mm -hmm. is is that he didn't see it and was adamant <laughs> and and thought not only was he winning in that argument, <laughs> that it was clear and that the entire world, except for his co-host in that moment, it's, knew. It's irrefutable evidence. Right. <laughs> you're 51 and a woman? You're not in your prime in any way. Google it. Because what the hell does prime even mean? Uh, I know. <laughs> exactly. That's, you know, we were trying to break it down the other day. Well, well, gosh, you know, if you're... You know, the more uh, life experience you have, that means that that mentally and and probably uh, you know, professionally, you're in your prime. The more experience you have, that's clearly the case. Which means you've got to be older because that's the only way you get experience. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's it, it's <laughs> insane. But 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 when I rewatched that, it was like, oh my gosh. You know, I thought about it because I was I was on YouTube yesterday and I was watching that again. Yeah. And then a little while later, I watched and, and I was having the, the same like you feel embarrassed for him because mm -hmm. you can't believe he's going down this road. Yeah. And he's just digging a bigger hole right. and he doesn't know it. Right. He is yeah. so yeah. Whether, call it narcissist. Right. Uh, <laughs> misogynist <laughs> yeah. whatever right. not not exactly in his prime <laughs> right. right whatever whatever you want to call it you're i'm you know what's going to happen and you're still like and the same thing happened with me i i watched the 
third period of the 1980 USA Olympic hockey game against the Russians. And you still got a little nervous. I was in your nervous. Stomach. I'm yeah. nervous. You know oh how God. it goes. I'm nervous. But like, you're watching it. It's 43 years old. Right. By the way, yesterday I said 42. I don't know why, but mm. I said 42. And I. Mm. But it's it's 43 years old. <laughs> it's I've gone over it in my head. I know every aspect of that hockey game. Who scored a goal? Where the great checks were in 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 the game? The great saves by Jim Craig. I can go through point by point on that game. And I'm like, ah, I want to relive it for a little bit. And I'm and that nervous tension is still there. Well, when they when Eruzioni scores the goal with uh, exactly ten minutes left, right? You know, it's at ten minutes. I'm nervous the whole time. Can they hold on to the lead? And I know what happened. Right. And the, and the same thing. I, and I started laughing. I said, "Well, I had the same thing with Don Lemon." <laughs> uh, you know, it's yeah, it is that. I, I did. I had this, and it was just. And it was like, you know, inside your head, you're screaming at the, uh, as if it's live or as, as if you're sitting right next to them as it's happening. You're just screaming. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, it, it's, I, I don't know. I, by the way, I can kind of relate for some reason. Uh, I, I follow a lot of comedians. Uh, Nate Bargatze, I think is one of the funniest out there right now. And he has a new special on Prime. Hello World. He named it after um Now now explain uh, that Prime mm. is not Don Lemon's Prime, <laughs> but Amazon Prime. Yes. And exactly. He, and he is in his prime, by the way, Nate yeah, Nate yeah. is. I've seen him. By lot the way, in comedy that's called a callback. Uh so so yeah. And they which they were talking about on Bargatze's podcast just yesterday. This is uh, getting crazy, but uh, it's so on Amazon Prime. It, it uh, a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, it came out, and it was the day that we had a bunch of ice in our neighborhood. And so I took a break to watch the uh, special. Right, mm-hmm. uh, Nate, I think is just hilarious. He's just hilarious. Uh, he's making all the media rounds right now, uh, promoting his new special, and he's on tour. And it's in fact tonight. Uh, it's Thursday. Yeah. Tonight, he'll perform on the very stage I walked across for my high school graduation in Wichita Falls, Texas, cool. 1984. Um, I can't be there, but uh, some of my friends are going. It's And so, but I'm watching his special. And so it was the day we had ice coming down. It's like, oh, Nate's special is on. Normally, things like that are like, okay, I'll, I'll wait until the weekend. I'll turn it on, right? And And I was like, okay, no, I'm going to take a break. Right from show prep, I'm going to turn this on. It's an hour. It's roughly an hour, a little over an hour. And I turn it on, and my, I get that nervous feeling in my stomach because he's been talking about it for so long. You know, they filmed it and the whole thing, and then they're putting. Okay, we don't have a date on the release, and then we'll announce that. And so that anticipation has been building up. You know, in my, you know, in my mind, uh, and following all along, and and you just have that. I just had that nervous. Feeling as I'm watching something that's not live, yeah, you know, and and it was just, you know, it was just, uh, it was interesting when you said that you're watching well, something, you know, on especially a sporting event that you already know, yeah. where where you you know it, but you're, it's almost like go guys, go go, and it's something from 1980. Well, I, I'll tell you, I I had the, I mean, I haven't seen it in, in years, but remember when Michael Richards had his meltdown? Oh yeah. And you watch, oh, you, you watch, oh, and knowing what even oh. hap- knowing what happened then, 
and you're watching it, you're like, you can back what? off here. Yeah, stop. You can stop what here. Are you you doing? can stop. And after it already happened, and you're like, stop, stop, stop. Yeah. You know, it's like, what are, you, what are you doing? And it's like, you just can't believe. You're like, wow, your emotion took over to that type of stupidity. And in his case, Michael Richards, you know, racist yeah. slurs. Right. Where you're just like, dude, how did you ever? What? How did you? What is going ever, on with your? Who, right. Who are you? <laughs> Basically, yeah, exactly. Who you know, you know who? And uh, and so yeah, the uh, the same thing with with Don Lemon when I was rewatching it yesterday because it was probably the it was the second or third time because you you're just watching going can't believe he did that it, it's can't it, believe he did that it's like you're arguing it you're right. trying and then you're gaslighting along the way no. which means you're 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 condescending to your co-host. I look, I know the the you know the 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 chemistry of the back and forth on 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 television, but. Essentially, they treat that as Don's show, or at least Don does. <laughs> well, the problem is we're viewing it from the way that we think, right? And it's obvious. But you just see, I think that would be obvious to anybody who's in media. Yeah, that I don't care whether you're on the, the left or right. Awareness that the self awareness of where you're going, right, and where you shouldn't, where you should, where you should never go. And then I realize, wait a minute, no, he believes it. That's why there's no self-awareness. It's like you and I talking about our belief in capitalism yeah, or, right. or or freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. We're so used to having that mindset. He was he was so insistent that you come to the realization he's not making a mistake and doesn't know what he's saying. He wholeheartedly believes the idiocy that he was promoting. Right. No, I mean, he and, does. But you can't believe that he, you just can't believe that he does because we're in the media and we just go, you can't be this stupid. You can't be this stupid. You can't be this stupid. Well, it's not stupid. It's what he believes. And he still believes it today. Yeah. When he says, I'm right. learning. Formal training. Uh-huh. What a load of horsemen. It's a joke. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, we may talk about it a little bit later, but I do play. need to play this audio cut. Emily uh, Coors, the uh, the jury four-person yeah, for right. the grand jury mm-hmm. in Georgia. Yeah. Listen to this. Okay. Did you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. That's who's serving. We talk about moments where you're, you're, you're watching something and you're saying, okay, stop talking. You need to shut up. Prosecutors have to be looking at this saying, what do we do now? She won't quit talking. This damage is done. And she was blasted. I'm reading here from the Washington Post. We're being blasted. Legal experts said 
they were surprised and concerned. Yeah. With her candid comment. It just wasn't the common, the, the candid commentary. No. It was the giddiness and goofiness oh, and giggliness yeah. of it. it just weird. And, Talk about not having confidence in the grand jury system with a four-woman like that. Right, exactly. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.